0: Welcome to the Church 2060 podcast, where we talk about all things church, where we've been, what we've learned, and where we're going. I'm Mike Brewer. Friends, and welcome to the Church 2060 podcast. I am Mike Brewer. This is the pod of all things church where we've been, what we've learned, and where we're going. This is episode number one, and thank you for listening. Guys, the number one question I've gotten since I released the trailer for the Church 2060 podcast is Mike, why did you choose the title Church 2060? What does it mean? Where are you going with this podcast? that you're not even sure that anybody will listen to. Well, I'm going to answer that question in today's episode of this podcast. And I want you to know exactly where I'm coming from and why, because I think it's important to the church. I think it's important to the mission that we're on, that we have these discussions and talk about this and work our way forward from where we've been. So stick with me. We are going to answer that question today. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about myself my story, where i've been and what's brought me to this point to where i feel like i need to start a podcast called the church 2060 podcast, a podcast about the church past, present, and future. So, let's travel back in time a little bit and want to go back to where i was about 12 years old. I was in church and i was in a charismatic church. And i want to thank my mom for just a second because during hard parts in our family history, she made sure that my brother and I were in church all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group on Thursday, and for a long time we cleaned the church on Saturday morning. So when I say all the time, you might be able to relate if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, charismatic church, or Baptist church. That was the schedule. That's what we lived with, and we liked it that way. I was about 12 years old in this church, and it was a charismatic church. And in my mind, I didn't understand why it was so chaotic. Why in the world was there so much loud singing? Why in the world was there so many people speaking in tongues so loud? It almost seemed like there was a competition going on. If you've ever been in a dueling piano bar, that's what I felt like sometimes in this church. Because I would hear one person on one side as loud as they could. One person on another as loud as they could. And music as loud as we could. Or someone preaching. And I thought, what is going on? So that was a challenge for me. But one day I went up for prayer. And if you've ever been in a church like this, you know the scene. There's a line of people across the front, right? And then there's a pastor. And he's praying for people one at a time. He was far from me at this point. So I'm standing there praying. And I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't understand the situation, I didn't understand where I was. But I remember. God revealing himself to me that day. Now, remember, I'm a 12-year-old guy, right? So I'm a dude, and all the things that come with that. I'm 12, but I think I'm 17, right? In my mind, I'm 17. So number one, it was a lot for me just to go up there. And number two, my reaction to God revealing himself to me was not becoming of a dude who thought he was older than he was. So I'm praying, and I feel God reveal himself to me and I started crying like a little kid and I couldn't control it but I felt God's presence and I didn't care either and I remember in the midst of what seemed like chaos to me God saying listen I know what's going on around you don't worry about that I'm here and I walked away from that moment realizing that all that other stuff didn't matter What I didn't understand didn't matter. Only God mattered. And I knew God was real, and I believed because God revealed himself to me. Now, it took a long time after that for me to get things like theology straight, to fully understand the gospel. But the truth was, in that moment, on that day, I was a child of God. I accepted God. There was no, I believe Kind of or I don't believe, but maybe it was I believe because I know because God revealed himself to me. Now, going forward from that moment, always a firm believer. I had to work things out for myself as far as my theology, understanding the gospel. And that was good and that was bad because I in that in that church situation, there were often turnover in the pastor position. Some left because they found better opportunities. Some left because immoral situations where they had to move on. So as time went on, I tried to figure things out for myself. And eventually the church closed its doors, and I moved on. And I kind of walked away from church for a while, too. I didn't really walk away from God, but I walked away from the church because that situation had been so rough, that, that church life, watching the church fold, seeing people upset, seeing tears from people who had been hurt by pastors. It wasn't something I wanted to be involved with anymore. But I always had the call. I always had the urge. Now, when I say I had the call, I knew from that early age also that God wanted me to be in ministry. The problem was I didn't know what that looked like. I certainly didn't want it to look like what I had seen already because what I had seen already was high turnover, moral failings at the highest levels and people hurt and people not able to continue in their faith because of what a pastor had done to them. So there was this extreme unhealthy situation and I didn't want any part of it. So going forward, I got married, my wife and I, I adopted her three children and we went to some churches and eventually we found a church Where we had good theology, we had a good understanding of what God wanted from us and what what uh, what grace was, and that was also the church where there was a visiting pastor one Sunday, and he said, "Hey, I'm planning a church in the area," And and he preached a sermon about how a church should be a lighthouse, not a country club, and that's really all I remember about the message, but. I remember during that message, God spoke to me again. And God said, go talk to him and do what he tells you. And I did. And I had a very interesting encounter with this guy. Uh, he, I walked up to him at this uh, table where he had all his church planting info set up, introduced myself. And I said, hey, I want to help out any way I can. Just let me know. And he pulled out this card. And on the card, it said, there's three ways to help. You can partner with us in prayer. You can give us time as a volunteer, and you can partner with us financially. And I said, great, took the card, took his business card, and then we shook hands, talked small talk for another minute, and I said, okay, hey, just give me a call if you have anything I can do, anything we can help. And he looked at the card again, and he pointed at it, and he said, okay, you could give financially. You could give of your time, or you could give in prayer. And I felt so awkward, and I laugh about that still to this day, and I believe that was 2008 when I met him. So um, I went on to help him plant, and uh, that was the church I helped plant as a volunteer. Uh, That was a lot of work, developed a lot of great relationships, some still have to this day. And then eventually uh, I left that church after it was well-established, and I left to help plant another church. And since then, that church has partnered with another church and we're about to plant another church now. So that's where I am. Uh, I'm a church planter, discipleship pastor at heart. Uh, I believe that there is nothing more important than discipleship. I heard a quote recently where a pastor said we were not called to plant churches. We were called to make disciples. So whatever we're doing, if the heart of it is not built on that discipleship, I don't think it's going to succeed. So that is that's kind of where I am, who I am, what I look to do. Okay, now I feel like I'm giving a big reveal like this is the mask singer and I'm giving a big reveal as to who I who I am or what the point of this is. But I said I would tell you why I chose the name Church 2060, why I want to do a podcast about the church, past, present and future, where we've been what we've learned, where we're going. So to do that, for that explanation to make sense, I'm going to travel back in time, again, to the 80s, where kind of my perspective started. And I know saying that, I'm dating myself, but my perspective did start in the 80s. So in the 80s, church didn't have the stigma or the stink on it it does today, right? You were just a good person if you went to church. That was part of being an American, right? You went to church, paid your taxes, you voted, took care of your family, you were a good person. It was all part of the same deal, right? Now, what was wrong with church in the 80s, though, was it seemed like we weren't out to save the lost, nor were we out to disciple people. What we were doing is saying, we do this right, you don't. In other words, the charismatics thought they needed to go convert the Baptists. The Baptists thought they needed to go convert the Presbyterians. The Presbyterians thought they needed to go convert the Charismatics, and so on and so on. We thought we were right. We weren't. We did not do discipleship well. We did not do small groups. We listened to a pastor on Sunday morning, and that was it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Then we move forward to the 90s, and things changed a little bit in the 90s, and from my perspective, in the 90s, some things got better. We had better worship music. Our theology got a little bit better. We understood grace a little bit more. The, the dividing lines and walls between denominations and churches kind of came open, right? We weren't at odds with another denomination because they sinned a little bit different than us or worshiped a little bit different than us. We were kind of realizing, hey, we're all in this together. But what I do remember from the 90s that I still don't like was it seemed like there was this large attitude in the church among believers, and some of it's still there, still irritates me, but it was this attitude that this is terrible, I can't wait till the Lord comes back, and I'm gonna sit and wait, and then when the Lord comes back, everything's gonna be perfect. Well, I believe that everything's gonna be perfect, but I don't believe that we're just supposed to be sitting around waiting for God to come back because we don't like the world we live in. That was a problem for me. So move on. We hit to the two thousands, right? In two thousands we start suddenly realizing there's a problem. Church membership is declining, church attendance is declining. We find out that churches are closing their doors at a rapid rate. We see that in the year nineteen hundred there was about one church for every ten thousand people, if my memory serves, the statistic is right. We're approaching a number now that's on a path to to double that number to where one, there's one church for every twenty thousand people, then we start to see the small group movement really take hold. Also, we start to see the church planting movement really start to take hold. The era of the mega church is big. We're seeing big churches out west. We're seeing large churches with superstar pastors, you know, the celebrity pastor that everyone wants to look like. They want the same hair, same skinny jeans, same glasses. You start to see this breakout of what seems to be good and healthy and we hope at the time that the model's right and it's working. 2010s roll around, we start to see the model continue, right? We start we keep doing the same thing over and over again. But the problem is, we're not getting the same result. The problem is, things aren't getting better at all. In fact, 10 years ago, the statistic was that 3,500 churches a year were closing their doors forever. It's believed now that that number's closer to 6,000. I don't know what to do with that number, but it scares me to death. We also knew 10 years ago that 80% of churches were either in decline or plateaued, and guess what? that number hasn't changed either. So we know right now in this moment that what we're doing isn't necessarily working. What we're doing isn't even holding the line. See, people nowadays think that if you go to church twice a month, that's full-time church attendance. In 1985, four times a month was full-time church attendance. So amongst believers... We don't even have a full commitment, and that scares me. The fact that 80% of churches are either in de- plateaued or in decline, that scares me, too. The fact that the church planting movement isn't working scares me, too. So, again, why did you name your podcast the Church 2060 Podcast? I'm telling you right now. I remember the 80s. I was there. I remember the 90s. I was there. I know what's happening right now. I am here, and I'm in the midst of fighting the battle of trying to reverse the trend that we're doing, to reverse the trend that's happening where the church planning movement is failing, where churches are in decline, where we don't have a great setup for small groups, where people are not being discipled. That all bothers me, and that's why I'm in the thick of the fight myself right now. Now, 2060 I chose 2060 because that's a year. And in that year, it's about 40 years from right now. Actually, it's exactly 40 years from right now. I don't know why I said about. But at that time, in 40 years, I will be done. My days as a boots-on-the-ground church planter will be over. My days as coaching anyone will probably be over. If I'm alive in 2060... I want to sit in my easy chair or wherever I am, taking it easy, feet up, probably because I won't be able to walk, I don't know. But I want to look back at the last 40 years of my life and say that I saw a trend that was different from the trend I saw starting in the 80s. I want to be able to say that what we did challenged the culture That what we did challenged the status quo in the church, and what we did engaged the culture that we were in, and we stopped the bleeding, we stopped churches from being in decline, and the church planting effort that we started made a dent in what we were doing now. I understand someone will always come up to me and say, but Mike, Scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail and stand against this church, the church of God will be here forever. And you know what? You're right. It sure will. But that doesn't mean we can sit on our hands. If you look in the book of Acts, Paul never stopped to sit on his hands. Even when he was in jail, he was writing letters to churches to edify those churches and give instructions. So listen, this conversation needs to be had. I will have this conversation on my own. I will bring in other pastors and other church planters and have this conversation. But I tell you one thing. Some people say it's the definition of insanity, but when you look it up in the, in the Webster's Dictionary, it's not the same thing. But when you keep doing the same thing over and over again and it's failing and you expect a different result, I'll say one of two things. One, you either don't want to know what the truth is, or you don't want to make the right changes to do what you have to do, or you are unwilling to listen to what God is telling you about the future. I do not want to look back when I'm 80 years old and say, I didn't learn, I didn't listen, I didn't pray, I didn't follow God's instruction. I didn't want to change. I wanted to do things the way that the celebrity pastors did. I wanted to use the old model. It looked great to me. It looked sexy. That's where I wanted to be, and I failed. I don't know about you, but that sounds awful to me. That sounds like if I want to go down that road, I might as well hang it up right now. So going forward, we're going to dig in. We're going to take a deep dive into what we were doing wrong. What we seem to be doing wrong right now. What does the future look like? How can we learn from these mistakes? How can we submit ourselves as leaders in the church to God and follow his will for what's next? Friends, thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to the Church 2060 podcast. I hope this made sense. And folks, I will talk to you again very soon. Guys, this has been the Church 2060 podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening, especially if you've made it this far. It really does mean a lot to me. And look, I want you to know I'm very happy and optimistic guy. Despite the tone and sometimes negative sound you can hear on this podcast, I want you to know I am optimistic about the future. And I want to hear from you. I don't want this to be a one-way conversation. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, or just emotional outbursts about anything you've heard, I'm at Brewer Undone on Instagram, at Brewer Undone on Twitter, and I'm just good old-fashioned way.